part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com. Spoiler alert, when this podcast talks about the books of his dark materials, it does so in the context of the most recent book. And when it talks about the television show on the BBC and HBO, it does so in the context of the most recent episode. You've been warned. You're listening to The Dust, a His Dark Materials podcast. Still your 53rd favorite podcast covering His Dark Materials on HBO and the BBC, as well as Philip Pullman's books. That's out of about six active podcasts that are working right now, so the math's still not good. Uh, but that doesn't matter. Welcome to the Dust Podcast. My name is Double M. That's Matt Murdick. You can call me Hey You if you wish. That's just fine. And we're continuing our rewatch party of season one. That's where we all start an episode of His Dark Materials together. And then I comment as you're watching the episode. You can figure how you want to balance our voices in or out however you wish in relation to the episode that you're watching. We're going to have a feedback podcast coming up real soon. Send your tweets to at the dust podcast on Twitter, or you can send emails to dust podcast. There's no the there dust podcast at gmail.com, or you can call, leave a voicemail by calling 314-269-0421. I would also appreciate it if you'd visit Matt's audioblog.com. That's M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. That's your one-stop shop for all things regarding this podcast. You're going to find podcast app links there and everything for this podcast And I would really appreciate it if you would leave me a written review and subscribe. Pardon me, we don't say subscribe anymore. We say follow because subscribe indicates that you're behind a paywall. We're not behind a paywall. Just follow the podcast on whatever podcast app that you're using. And uh, written reviews are very helpful so that I can remain your 53rd favorite podcast out of four active podcasts happening. I know my comments have been, uh, you know, somewhat pedestrian for most of these episodes, and you're probably thinking, Matt, enough, you've tried, it was a noble effort, but probably, you know, we could have figured this stuff out on our own. Well, I brought in some reinforcements this time, folks. We've got some very special guests. They are the two smartest women that I know on the internet regarding his dark materials. They have a lovely podcast called Girls Gone Canon, where they talk about all things, the books, the television show, all kinds of special podcasts as well. And we welcome them to this podcast to watch season one, episode four, Armor, which was written by the showrunner Jack Thorne and directed by Otto Bathurst. I guess I'll start with uh, the voice that I usually hear, or the voice that I first heard when I listened to her on Patreon, and that's Aliana. Aliana, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Yes, I'm so excited to be here with Hey You and <laughs> <laughs> and joining. Yeah, I, I'm really excited you, you approached us for this, and you kind of switched things up on me just then, you know? I thought you were going to say the voice that I first hear whenever I start each of these podcasts, and whenever you first listen to Girls Gone Canon on our usual regularly released podcasts, which often cover Song of Ice and Fire and Historic Materials, which is not me, but my co-host, Chloe. Oh, well, see, I was just going by the Patreon podcast that we did a few months back, and uh, I think you introduced that one. That's why I was way behind on that one. But thank you so much for joining us. We can't leave that voice out now. We brought her up. (laughs) Chloe, welcome to the podcast. How are you? 
Hey, Matt, double M. Thanks for having us. Yes, it's, it's actually really funny you say that be- about hearing Eliana's voice first, because we happen to kind of argue once in a while of, no, it's you that says it. And then sometimes we accidentally switch it up. So who knows? It's a mess, but we are excited to be here. I know Eliana's excited to talk about Yorick. I'm excited to talk about Lee and Hester, I'm sure. It's going to be a good episode. I can't wait to get to this episode. It's the introductory episode for those characters. Uh, it's our first look at the North in this television series, really, in terms outside of the, the little scenes with Azrael in the first episode. So, uh, you know, getting to explore Trollison and all of that once again. Uh, and folks, we will be using our season two knowledge. So if you haven't watched all of the episodes, you might want to do that before you continue any further. Uh, there might be some book stuff thrown in here as well. We do have Girls Gone Canon after all. And that we're not talking about the can- the guns kind of canon. We're talking about book canon. So uh, there's some observations there. But we're going to have some fun with this. And we're all going to start at the blank screen right after any logos that you see, after any previously that you see. If you're watching with us on HBO Max, that's at the 1 minute 12 second mark. So we want to be sure that you're there before we get started. If you need a second to, you know, set yourself up so that you can listen along with these two brilliant minds that are along with me, you might actually get something out of this podcast watching. So go ahead and set up. If you're on HBO Max at the 1 minute 12 second mark or whatever medium that you're watching this on, I'm not judgy. You watch it wherever you want. But just make sure that you're at the the really dark screen right before the clouds come on at the beginning of this episode and you're good. That should be sufficient time. Is everybody set up here? I'm ready. Yes. All right. Well, let's get going with this episode. I'll give us a countdown and then on the word play, we'll all hit play together. Folks listening at home, you do the same with us. Here we go. In three, two, one, play. So good. Pretty clouds. It is pretty clouds. It feels like a DreamWorks opening. (laughs) It does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How exciting was this intro when it happened? I was so excited. Yeah, uh, I just want to know what you guys' uh, opinions are on on Lin Manuel Miranda's covering of this uh, <laughs> of this tune, uh, this Joshua James tune, "Old Best Friend." Did he do a good job, or as fellow musicians who also covered this song, may I add, <laughs> for his dark materials, I, I'm going to let you finish. But uh, I think Lin Manuel was fine, but Eliana as Hester might have been the best cover I've ever heard. Oh, we got <laughs> Come on, was, come on, Eliana, I, let's hear it. I, I don't know about that. The time's over. But <laughs> it, I was covering Hester's version. I was covering Hester's cover of <laughs> Old Best Friend, right? The, by, uh, as you said, Joshua James. I had never heard this song until this moment. I'll be honest, I hadn't either. So, uh, <laughs> it's kind know. of like an indie summer tune, you know? It's like yeah. a clanging on the guitar, drinking beers song, which is perfect. I mean, yeah. as we're going to go to the bar soon and hang yeah. out. I love that uh I love that uh, little guitar riff of Lee's theme coming in there as well. Mm. <sighs> Nothing's going- better than the music. I mean, this is adventure right here. Yeah. Yes. And Lyra's theme with the, the, this is the the one that we heard first introduced with her and Roger playing around in Oxford. And it gets dressed up in a whole lot of different ways throughout the course of this series. Lauren Balfe is amazing. 
Oh, this scene's so good, though. And also, Lyra is wearing her Paddington bear outfit. Um, all... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't remember who fa- first saw that. It was someone on Twitter. Yeah, someone, uh, I, was it Twittergaze quote retweeted it, I think, but I, I'm not yeah. sure who it was. Now I can't get enough of it. Now, I remember when the, uh, the main theme came on and you guys were podcasting and you were breaking down every little shot in this in this credit sequence that just, yes. uh, you know, all of the wonderful little Easter eggs for season two and and even beyond. Uh, you guys, like the knife there. I the just knife and the lens stuff. right there. There's the yeah. amber spyglass. Always, there's always something new each time. Like, I feel like I find something new in this intro every time I watch it. Yeah. I love this. Showing the se- the several lo- layers and everything. It's just gorgeous. Uh, there's ah, these balloons. The stairs. And- there's our babies. Ah, there he is. He just, <laughs> well, you know, he just got introduced last episode, as Matt will recall, since he's revisiting it. Yes. Uh, ah. Got a, was it? Was it just a picture of him? I believe. Yes, I believe yeah. it was episode three. We get the picture. Then this is the first time that it let you focus that it's him on the stairs with her. Yeah. Yeah, and then next episode I... we get more of him. Right on. I didn't realize that Chitagaze was so clearly Chitagaze in the same design in this intro. Oh yeah. yeah, even in the first season, and and that they kept that into the next one. Oh, boats. Oh, that costume. I love it. That beautiful frayed leather. Yeah. Yeah, they aged it well. Well, I just oh. love the hat. It reminds me so much <laughs> of Indiana Jones. It's great. Yes. Oh, and Dudley Dursley, everyone. Yes, I was thinking that. I was like, I know I know him. He's in the Queen's Gambit and Harry Potter. <laughs> That's right. He is in Queen's Gambit. I forgot about yes. that. Rumor of a bear. What a set. <laughs> he already lifted a watch. Yeah, he just took the yep. watch. <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, what a sneaky guy. No wonder he doesn't get need to get paid very often. <laughs> well, later in the bar, we'll see he doesn't get much. Hester, here we go again. Hester was like one of the best parts. Absolutely. I love Christella that. Line. is like- amazing. She's like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> Just the way she delivers that. She's the perfect parent for him. Oh, yeah, the best foil, you know. Reigns him in. Absolutely. Now, definitely pay attention because soon there's going to be a great shot of Sofinax and Pan, and you'll be able to see them. Yes. I'm, I love it so much. I actually didn't remember this shot, and I got into some sort of internet argument about Sofinax being in the show or not, and Sofinax is all over this show. There's Pan, There's Pan. Lyra. Uh-huh. We're appreciating how fluffy and chunky Pan looks in this form. He is chunky. I love it. It's just the fur, right? It's just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't Lee try to come steal that watch? <laughs> I wanted to. I was like, I'm going to lift it right off your chest, Father Quorum. There you go, right there. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, they're trotting. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, 
Wonderful. Oh yeah, and I love that they kept in, you know, and I think that's why it's one of those iconic, I think, explanations from the book, that explanation of the ladders of meaning, the lithiometer. Yeah, it's going down the rungs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a little bit of the main theme being played there whenever, it seems like, uh, you know, Balfour had originally written a theme for the alethiometer, and it was in the first, uh, the first anthology that he mm. did, but it never really got used. Um, instead, they it got replaced with the main theme, which I thought was wonderful with the tie-in with the main sequences and everything. It was a good choice. Great call, and that like primes you for this discussion. Mm-hmm. Oh, there they are again, trotting. Gotta love it. Sofanax watch. I am always on Sofanax watch. <laughs> what a demon. Oh, there's that other idea of different worlds coming up there, of the witches sort of existing in their own world, even though they're in the same literal world as Lyra versus... Yes. You know, literally nice. to Gaza. Yeah. And our Serafina Pecola reference right there, his first mm-hmm. mention of her. That's great to start to bring her into things. I didn't notice that Linsalius's home is green, which I think is nice considering that his little book, his novella, is green. Yes. That's true. I, I don't think that's planned, but maybe he just did it to match his snake. That's what I was thinking. Did you guys like the uh the way that they expanded him a little bit in season two. I loved it. I did, yeah. Especially because of the novella Pullman released right before season two. He released uh, Serpentine is the novella, and he plays a pretty big part in it, a pretty big role in it. And I think they took a lot of that information in season two, episode two, when he's in court. Oh my God, I, I'm sorry. I'm just so distracted by Sofanax just walking around. <laughs> Also, this is a cozy home. Sorry, it's so, look at the, the fireplace. It looks great. And the tea. Uh, he, he's a very warm soul in this, and I like that. His actor is actually a really talented actor in stand-up comics, so I think it's really oh. smart they did expand him. Yeah. And I love him in in that novella, right? He You talk about how he brings warmth to that role, and I think we see that warmth in the novella where Dr. Lincellius is really being, I think, a source of comfort for Lyra. Yeah. I love the the expansion in season two of actually giving him the background of being able to know how the witches live, having grown up in it, uh, in that culture, and knowing that it's like a beautiful culture and that the magisterium is just, you know, lying. They're straight up bold-faced liars. It was interesting uh, how some of the audience reacted to Miss. Uh, to Mrs. Coulter's reaction to him telling mm-hmm. these stories in, in season two. I think a lot of people thought, especially, and then after the, uh, the monkey, she was able to leave him at home when she went to see Mary Malone. Um, people started going, is she a witch? I don't think so. But <gasps> Matt, you're going to have to finish the books of dust and come back. It could be, we don't know. Oh, we just don't I know. haven't finished yet either. <laughs> Listen, if I can't just shame her all the time, I have to be able to shame someone else. Well, yeah. usually it's up to Holly to do those things, but she's off busy saving Sofanaxes all across the world right now. So. 
Ah, oh, queen of my life. God, this is so pretty. I love it's it. Any exquisite. scene. Yep. Any scene you open the alethiometer. Oh, there you go. Snake. Knowledge. Yes. I get the metaphor. I see it. The symbolism going on. Hmm. He doesn't seem to believe that. Though, my under- if I'm remembering correctly, the books he already knew, though, right? And he was just yeah. testing. He wanted to see it for himself. You know, everyone wants to see the child prodigy perform for them. I mean, look at his face right now. He looks pretty, like, interesting that you say that, Lyra. Let's go into this room. Not pre-planned whatsoever. Not a test I already wrote down. But, like, the way he invites them in, like, I love, like I said, I love Dr. Lincellius, but, like, the way he opens that door and is like, everyone go into my basement. I'm like, I wouldn't go into a basement if someone told me to go in the basement that way. I've been in a lot of them. There's a lot of little different plants in there. It's like, what kind of experiments are you doing down here, sir? Come see my hydroponics, my my weed. If someone invites you to a very leafy basement, you go. I don't know what Ah, you two are talking about, ah, but you ah, go. ah, ah. Yeah, that's his hydroponics setup. That's what I'm seeing. Absolutely. Look at that irrigation. You know, this reveal of the pine cloud in season two being kind of a part of the witch, right? Being a part of their body instead of having the flowers. It worked really well, especially Mm -hmm. considering Serafina was giving Lee something literally that was a part of her body and existence, passing over that, glossing over that. They had to be gardening here with that, and it's thrilling we get this scene, right? Like, it's very, this is a very crucial scene for Lyra in the first book. So adapting this in full with all of these little bits and pieces of the witches and the idea that they have to give that piece of themselves for their tribe. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Well, and just the sheer number of them. Look at all yeah, of them. Exactly. Um, you know, Everyone. As you go on through this season, really the only witch that we encounter is Serafina. We don't encounter anymore until season two, at least as far as the television show goes. So yeah. if she's that powerful, I remember thinking at the end of season one, well, if they're making one witch that powerful, imagine what all those bottles could do. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I missed the first symbol that they used, or that she was also using when she was asking the question and when the answer was relayed. But we got the chameleon and the moon, and the chameleon, as we've been told, sometimes means air. We've been told mm. that in the books. I'm still, I still struggle with like figuring out how that works. Right? They, they said their rationale in the books was like chameleons seem to just eat air, and I'm like, that's not true (laughs) and the other one is the moon which i think um i don't know the exact rationale but we can see how that would tie in with the witches and seraphina oh yorick sorry they said yorick ferguson we're done (laughs) yeah yeah we're gonna get an introduction of his theme here coming up in a minute so it's gonna be great so eliana the other two things that are brought up about that it's air and then the second rung is greed and the third rung is patience hmm Mm-hmm. Air makes sense for the cloud pine. Yeah, yeah. I I will because, say I don't you know. know that I did the best Hester, but I really like my Yorick impressions. Oh, your Yorick is great. Thank oh. you. And that's it. Yeah, they they did great for this for Yorick. I mean, even uh, obviously they had the technicals just looked better without having the armor on during the battle, but. 
I mean, th- this is just perfect, Yorick. The fur is great. He- he's kind of intimidating, right? Overbearing, no pun intended. Hey! <laughs> I loved looking at the, the making ofs and seeing the size of the stand-in uh, before they yeah. uh. animated it. It was just like, it was that size. It was amazing. God, we're spoiled. I would hunt seal and walrus. You know, a fun fact from the books is that seal fat, seal lard, tastes like hazelnut and cream. Yeah. I've never let that go since yeah. a child. I'm like, I gotta try it one day. I gotta try it. We're gonna try it one day. Yeah. Seal blubber yeah. tastes good, apparently. The, the chords of his theme are gonna be coming in under here. Oh, I wanna put a snout. Boop snoot. Ah, there they are. So powerful. Especially because it's like an echo of the similar melody from the main theme, but slower and just like growing. And and just the power of the instruments of the brass alone. The brass doesn't get used a whole lot in this series, Hmm. um, but they're usually uh, for very important things like, you know... uh, uh, for Will's dad, they're used for bears, those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, I don't like that place. <laughs> the death But I do love this walk. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <sighs> I thought this was a clean podcast, Matt, yet here we are watching this together. <laughs> well, it's something we can all agree on, though, right? Hell in high heels, baby. Here she comes, the woman in red. Those are really high heels, though. Only Ruth could wear these. This is, you know, some girl boss, gaslight, gatekeep stuff <laughs> going on here. Yeah. They're beautiful. At this point, she's still, and we even see it into season two, but she's still so very um, somewhat vulnerable in the presence of certain members of the magisterium, like she tries a joke here and it doesn't work. Hey, I know how that goes, girl. Yeah. And we, I think the one that stands out most to me was, I don't remember exactly where in season when it happens, when she offers like water or a drink or something to, to Father McPhail. And he's like, I don't think so. Yeah. In the second episode, for sure. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello, Daphne Keaton's father. Well, 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 or Will, 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 I should say, because that's his name. Yeah. Will Keaton. <laughs> the double D, Daphne Dad. Oh, oh. my God. <laughs> double M is on fire tonight. Uh, I think it's great that we bring up the Scholastic Sanctuary here, that uh, it's hammered on so heavily. We know it's such a strong theme throughout, but it's being very, very heavily hammered on here to kind of remind you of Lyra's journey. Well, and the war in general, uh, yeah. when you think about it, because it's really about the freedom of thought, just freedom yeah. in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that smile she just gave him, oh, she'd stab him in a heartbeat. I wonder how bad that actor's back hurts after doing days of acting stooped over like that. Hmm. I don't know. I wonder how he feels after being stepped on by Marisa Coulter all day. Mm. The biggest pain. 
<laughs> a good kind of hurt. A good kind of hurt. Just give her the BAFTAs, okay? Just give them to her. Jesus. It's very clever of her to let them play their cards, and then she's still got the trump card of Azrael. Yes. Well, that's her hope, except... <laughs> love her that dead, her dead eye yeah you can just see like the anger within her brewing as this man speaks to her like every man has spoken to her mm. yeah God, how dare you simply try to speak to her like that was her hat supposed to be reminiscent of Lyra's little beanie oh Oh, they are contrasting little colors too, you know. Yeah, they're yeah, because Lyra's is like red and super we've red. Talked and about mm-hmm. yeah the significance of Lyra's costuming throughout. Oh, these fluorescent lights kill me. <laughs> well, she's killing it under those fluorescent lights, so I don't know what your problem is, Eliana. They just seem like the kind of fluorescent lights that would make me feel sad about my Uh, life. It seems like a sad place, Eliana. I agree. Yeah. It's very much much that old corner in the library that nobody wants to go to. Yeah, exactly. uh, I love the separation of those lights, too. How they had, like, they were all separated in their own isolated little box. It was very interesting Mm. with the beams between them. Oh, this story. This is one of those moments <laughs> that really gets me. Yeah. I mean, Cosmo is an amazing ma- actor, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. I truly couldn't imagine anyone else in this role now after two seasons, you know? Ah, agreed. I feel like it's a good story, but he's missing parts of it. Yeah. But then her mom died, too, right away after that. (laughs) There's that Yambiaka. When uh, the other witch was calling for that at the beginning of season two, I was like, oh, yeah, the goddess of death. Oh yeah, there goes James. Give him give him the BAFTA too. Give him all the BAFTA. All Truly. of them. Are there enough BAFTAs to go around? <laughs> Actually, there are, right? Probably. Could we make more? It's simple. We make more BAFTAs. And the Lyra category, the <laughs> Father Quorum category, the, the Mrs. Coulter category. Yep. Oh, and then there's this category. <laughs> Man. You were right about that coat. That's awesome. Yeah, the finish and like the the aging on it is so great. Just I rugged enough. Cut. Yeah. Listen, guys, as he comes when he starts talking about the bear, you'll hear York's chords in a string oh. just a little bit. It's pretty interesting. I love how Lauren sneaks those little references in. Not yet. First, it's just Lee's theme. Oh, 
my god, he's so annoying. I would get in so, a fight with him too. <laughs> well, I'm still trying to figure out how he lifts the stuff. I don't ever see him do. I guess it's when he's fighting, right? Yeah, it is. You'll see it. Watch this time. You will see it. I like that it's called flippity flop. Makes me think a uh, hippity hop because he's got a. There you go. There's one. Ah. He just grabbed one. I think he grabbed the tip they left on their table, now that I say that out loud. Uh And the wallet. Yeah, you are. You're literally grubbing for shady business, Lee. And your money. Well, they didn't like that, did they? The whole idea of you looking for a bear. Here they are. Here's those cords. His nose is really big, though. I guess. L.M.M.? No, I mean the bear. You're it. The bear? He said that he's got a cute little nose. He does have a cute nose, but it's very big. <laughs> you started the fight. He's got now a big jaw. The, the nose fight. has nowhere else to sit. That's true. Hester is the best in this scene. Bottle! Uh, love a good bar fight. Really added to the kind of Western mystique of this character, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, they put so much of Once Upon a Time in the North. The novella Pullman mm-hmm. wrote about Lee. Yeah. They put so much of that into this. He has very young Lee energy, and I think it's a fine fit to remix the character a little. Because you're never going to get anyone as good as Sam. You know? Got to make it your own role, and I think Lin Manuel did that. Yeah. The loot. Three watches and a wallet. Aw, that little rat's cute. That's Pavel's, right? Yeah. Yes, and you know what's great? I totally forgot about it till this episode when we get Boreal in a bit. But Boreal calls him Ratty all the time, and it's kind of hysterical. (laughs) That's because you ain't Lyra. Here we go. Didn't quite say yes. <laughs> right. There was no answer to that. I would have been like, wait. Oh, sh- prophecy. No one knows. I don't know her. I don't know her. I'd listen to the woman if I were you, Fra Pavel. Oh, so that big Mrs. Coulter theme there. Sorry, go ahead. I guess they brought that up in that question in the series through this moment, because we first hear of the prophecy of Lyra from Dr. Lincelius in the books, but obviously they they played that a little different in the show. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some good Sofanax soon too. Get ready. 
Everybody's got, everybody's got hat game. Farter Cormor. I was thinking that game, and Lee's got hat game, and even Lyra's got hat game. I was just thinking that. I just don't think I'm a hat person. I thought I, I, it depends on my mood. Sometimes I am. I like wearing when, hats. When you've lost as much hair cool. as I have, you, uh, you definitely overcompensate with hat glove. Buy sofa and snazzy hats. Huh. Oh, there's a prophecy. Well, everyone's all about the prophecy. Yep. Oh, I really like John Fa. Don't say that about Dr. Lin Sullius. <laughs> he looked greedy. Yeah. Don't say that about my best friend, Dr. Lin Sullius. <laughs> Friendship with Fartercorum over. <laughs> You've been canceled, Fartercorum. Fartercorum is also my really good friend. Oh, I'm mm. so excited. Here he comes. Here comes uh, our favorite with his little nerd voice. Kai He does have such a nerd voice. <laughs> It's a cute nerd voice. I, I mean it like lovingly, truly. Get ready. I love the bows. Aw, respect, respect, respect. Aw, because they were kind of in a relationship too. You know, because demons. Yeah. I guess we haven't... I don't really see Sofanax in this scene, though. Um, No, Sofanax was in the last scene as they walked towards this way before it got dark out. Yeah. It was just Uh, dark. Now there's no... There's only one demon. There's only room for one demon in this scene, Eliana. (laughs) There's not enough budget for (laughs) Sofanax and Kaiza to greet one another here. Do you not see the waist-up shots happening here? (laughs) Uh, Also a light issue, I'm sure, for... Yeah. Animators. You know, for what it's worth, you can see a good amount of demons in the background in this season, but it's honestly, and we'll get to it soon, but there's a moment that I I just, there's no pan for like at least six minutes straight. Mm. At least I I watch it and I'm like, where they shoot it just, they cut it off just where pan should be or where you think you would see pan. uh, And they just have Lyra move up and out of frame. A certain way. It's very interesting. That's a good way to do a first season and keep your budget. Yep, sure is. You gotta have budget for the second season. I mean, they want Amber Spyglass, right? So everyone needs to just, I guess, settle down. (laughs) Yeah, I I do think it was most important, though. This is my opinion, that it was most important in the first season because of the way that... It establishes a world, yeah. And the twist with Roger. and Well, not just with Roger, but also... Lyra and Pan. Well, Tony Macarios. Yeah. In in well, sorry, not Tony Macarios here. Billy Costa in the show. Yeah, it's Tony Macarios yeah. to me. Oh, uh, I love the aura. The I do roar. love this scene. The roarer, the roarer. I do love this scene. I love that Tony Costa and her kind of bond. Mm-hmm. in just yeah. a minute here and look up at the stars and they're all thinking there's just a better world a better way oh there it is Shinigatse mm. yeah. let me ask you guys the opinion on this because I don't, I don't know I had a conversation with Holly a while back 
and I wasn't sure that I was following her when she was saying um, that Boreal had a direct route from Lyra's world to Will's world before Asriel's window, right? But I always just took it for season one, and they just cut it out because they hadn't figured out a final design for Chitagase. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, did you really need that scene so that everybody go, what's that? Where's that? Because that's what this scene was supposed to be. I think uh, I think it is important for establishing for Will's plot for the knife. I think that's part of it, you know, right. uh, because of how it gets explained of what the knife does, etc. And I think also, like, while they did pull us ahead on a handful of topics to get us going, they didn't want to kind of exposition us to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big thing. You know, I'm watching, rewatching Doctor Who right now, and there's a certain showrunner Name rhymes with Hibnall. Mm. He is fine. He's a fine showrunner but and a fine director, but every episode he directs is just exposition to death. And I do think Series 1 does have a bit of exposition because it's Series 1. It's the first book. They're trying to establish a whole world and lore. Uh, and at times, it, it can be a little vanilla. I don't think it's bad. I think it did its job. But Series 2 is like hardcore yeah. good. Mm. It's good, good. Series 2 is good, good. There's your boys together for the first time coming up here, guys. I love it. That's love. Yelling at your best friend, like, what are you doing? (laughs) Accounting for each other, you know? Trying to keep each other accountable. He's like, Yorick, it's leg day. Time to get up. It has not been a good three years, us coming out of the pandemic someday. (laughs) (laughs) So, in this timeline on the show, Once Upon a Time in the North happened three years ago? Is that what we're supposed to say? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose. I don't know. I guess. That is what it sounds like, based on this exchange... Yeah, where they are referring to the moments of that novella, and yeah, I think that, I mean, that makes sense, because he's probably about the age that Lee was, right, in the novella. Mm. Yeah, I guess they just smooshed the timeline a little back and forth, it's fine. It's fine. I don't know, I think Lee Scoresby here looks mighty fine for a 50-something-year-old. I hope I look (laughs) that good when I'm 50. I already do. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You're right, Eliana. That is a big nose. Never mind. (laughs) You just want to reach out and just touch a. Yeah, you want to honk it, don't you? I do. I want to boop it. I want to. I want to like touch a snout, pet him. That nose is as big as Lee's face. Dang. Mm. He's projecting. He's pushing you away because he is mad about himself. Don't. Don't stop, Lee. Stay. I mean, I know what happens, but I'm telling you, Hester looks just like one of my cats without the, the whole bunny head thing. You know, ignore that. But the bottom half, exactly the same. Huh. Just want to pet that tummy. Hey, that's my freaking uh, espresso French press. How'd he get it? <laughs> Give it back, Dudley. It's another universe. They can have one of those over there, too. <laughs> 
This scene is fun for Lin-Manuel. He does some great acting here, and again, sounds just like young Lee Scoresby, but something's awkward and weird between these two. The tension is weird. I mean, I think it's supposed to be a little weird, right? I mean, they don't get along, but yeah, yeah, the, the upcoming moment is very much, very similar to a scene that Lee Scoresby does in Once Upon a Time in the North, with that fast-talking. Yes. Yeah. The Bill of Laden talk. Yes. I also enjoy that it's like this class, he has this classic military kind of accent of like what you'd see in a movie going on. It's really funny. It's <laughs> pretty hysterical. There you go. Lee's theme as he's talking out of the side of his mouth about lost stuff. <laughs> Primely Scoresby. Clearly states. <laughs> he could not hold it together. You know he was about to laugh, laugh for a second there. That smile on his face, that was great. Won't take a bribe. Good world building here for the Magisterium. Yeah. Implies a sense of fear, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That they're everywhere. There you go. There they are. Everywhere. I think if I was going to threaten Lee Scoresby, I would not put the gun on the desk. I agree. I would have the gun. You would keep the gun in your hand. Keep the gun ready. in your hand and point it at the dude. Safety can be on, but just. Well, you know, I'll give him that. I mean, Lee Scoresby is a good man, right? So he's an honest man. Maybe Sisselman doesn't know this here, obviously. Wouldn't have done it either if I was the Sisselman, but at least oh. we know he wasn't going to do anything. I mean, honest is debatable considering he just lied, right, and has been pickpocketing people. Yeah, but, but it was for a good reason, Eliana. <laughs> Sometimes little white lies like that are for good, and maybe those people didn't need that money. You don't know. Uh, do the ends justify the means? It's the age-old question. I mean, they were a help in Lyra. He just didn't know it yet. Ooh, the manicure. I know. Well, you know, when I go see my new bear boyfriend... My bear sugar daddy. Who's imprisoning my ex-boyfriend. An ex-baby daddy. <laughs> One thing that I love about that last scene is the way she just cuts cuts the monkey off. Like he's about to actually say something. Like he's, he's a, oh, he, he so could... sad. Well, you know, Jack Thorne did say that uh, he he had one moment that they wanted the monkey to say something, but he got downvoted on it throughout the mm. season and it, it it was fine he said he didn't really like how it was turning out anyways so I think that's right I don't think that yeah. the monkey should speak I think the sounds it makes are sadder yeah plus they've done such a good job with that CGI puppet in terms of expression that you don't really need dialogue I don't think yeah. to convey the meaning God, that monkey rocks. I mean, that's part of the best. Yeah. When she was going down the stairs, it was reluctantly going down the stairs, which we know is silly because its breed is like very adept at climbing things and climbing down things. So like 
the fact that the monkey was being submissive and head down and, you know, uh, it was really interesting. While she was at the Magisterium with the big bad guys. Very interesting. Wow, I wish I had a fact checker like that. No that kidding. I could just like be like, no, I think you're lying. Oh. I'm going to check it right now. But we past do. presidents, I would have liked to have held that up to me. <laughs> I mean, we have Google, but that's close. Aw. Ooh, John Fa. I know. You know, I was just saying I liked John Fa a few minutes ago, but I'm going to take that back because I do remember being very upset with how his tone was here. I was mad at him for this episode. Yes. He's got a lot on his shoulders. Oh, oh my I think God. these oh two God. have a lot on their shoulders. Yeah. Um, this tension is interesting. Mm-hmm. I think they might be in lust. Yeah, I mean they got real think, close. So, so what is what is Pavel's thing that Boreal keeps holding over him? Is it uh, the typical <laughs> thing that we think of with the church? Yeah. Right? Oh, sorry, different thing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, the trouble they've caused. Wow. I mean, they're just getting closer. Come on, just do it. Just do it. Look, looking straight at his lips. I'm just saying. I know you saw it too, right? I saw it. Yes. I, okay. I saw it. There there was something there. I mean, maybe Arion Bakar is just such such a good actor that he just is implanting all these thoughts in me. I don't know, but his performance is it's good. Arian sixty-nine. Arian sixty-nine, which is a screen name his on Twitter. Twitter. Yes. Screen name. It's his handle. It is. You know, one of our friends who came on and had a great time with us during the finale for Series 2, Candid59, did mention he was not born in 1969. Yep, he is not, so who knows why that's... I mean, one can only guess why that is... The man's an enigma. I I was born in 69. He's got to be younger than me. Oh. Not by much, I think. I think he's like 71. Yeah, he was 71. Not too far off. He could be, you know, a couple years your junior. So it's interesting we don't see Lord Boreal's demon here, but speaking of serpent demons, snake demons, of course, we were introduced to one earlier this episode, and then him here, you know, kind of tempting someone else as well to do bad. I kind of forgot about his demon, I'm going to be honest. So good call. His demon's usually hiding in his... Uh, yes. Jacket sleeve, sleeve or right? pocket, yeah. yeah. Wrapped around it's not his like arm. super weird for him, but yeah. All right, everyone, watch Pan because you're not going to see him after this. Uh oh. <laughs> All right, Pan gone. Pretty much. Goodbye, uh, there's like this big aerial shot, and you can see like Hester, I think, and Yorick, and that's it at one point. It's very funny. I was like, maybe pans around her neck, like he always is in the books. Nope. Mm. Mm. Oh, I do love this. Uh, follow the bacon trail. She steals the bacon at least three times. She steals every single piece of it. Yeah, all of it throughout the entire conversation. It's amazing. Wait, so he's staying in this place. This is where he's lodged. Yes. Even though they kicked him out earlier. Yes. <laughs> it's probably the only place in town, and he used the watches to pay for it. 
Ah, uh, yes. What pocket do you think Pan's in? Hmm. Maybe he's under the hat. Hmm. <laughs> or he's like, sometimes he likes to be a little mouse in her pocket. Yeah, I was thinking like around the neck or in the hood, but... Ooh, maybe it's like Ratatouille and he's in the hat, controlling her. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like a Jaeger. I appreciate that she's bluffing right now while telling him about bluffing. Here goes Bacon. And she's pulling exactly what he did earlier, right, with the Sisselman. Mm-hmm. Oh, but see, she's flaunting it. She's showing him, too. Throwing it right back at him. She's eating it right in front of him. I love it. Taking yes. it off his yeah. place, eating it in front of him. But that's how you know he's enthralled by her storytelling. She's adopting him as her better <laughs> surrogate father in this movie. Uh, not hard. Yeah, the bar's low. (laughs) (laughs) The whole bacon thing, I love simply because of the way that he asks for the bacon sandwich uh, uh, (laughs) in season two. It's a great callback to this. All I want is a bacon sandwich. Also, their bacon is different. You know, like... Mm-hmm. We would call it Canadian bacon here, but... Right. It's mm. northern bacon. Mm. Yes, northern bacon. Canadia, Canadian, Canada is north of us. Wow. <laughs> you really Canadia. got there. Well, because I say Canadia in my everyday life, because I think it's funnier that way. <laughs> Alright, this is it. Last pan. They're about to go in. Go get... Yorick, and then Pan's gonna take a break. Oh, he's so fluffy! Don't go too far now there, young Panelayman. <laughs> now, how did Pan know that that was on the side? He hadn't looked there yet, had he? Uh, he probably he just, couldn't see through Lyra's small pocket, could he? <laughs> what? Sorry, who said that? Somebody say that? <laughs> is a, a disembodied voice in this podcast somewhere? <laughs> I guess we're be. all disembodied right now. A little we're bit, in your that's ears. true. Uh, well, better than being disembodied from your soul. Am I right, true. Roger? Oh, ouch. Ouch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's painful for me. I know. But I'm trying to get you primed so that when you get there without us and we're not there to hold your hand through it, Double M, you'll be okay. No, you guys are doing the rest of these with me. I got <laughs> I know you're busy. Well, we're trying to get to the Amber Spyglass soon, my Man. friend. Man. Why the heck would you even talk to somebody who can just <laughs> rip up a piece of metal like that? was pretty good. I'd, I'd, I'd start walking the other way. I mean, she's far enough away that she won't get hit, I think, yet. But two good steps, two broad steps, and that guy's getting her. Yeah. At least he's a Panzerbjorn, right? Like, I, you know, Grizzly 
grizzly bears are vicious. Black bears, you can you you might be fine. Polar bears, you're fine. I don't, I don't think there are anything. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't think there's any talking a polar bear down. You can't raise your hands up in the air and yell, "Hey, bear!" Mm. That's not gonna work. No, they are vicious. Oh, I love York's theme. It's so powerful. Wow. I also love the way it mirrors some of the story moving forward, just in like looking for your soul or the other part of you. Aww. Yes, absolutely. Doing some soul searching, you could say. Oh. Matt laughed. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I heard Matt laugh, so I win. <laughs> I think it was a fine pun. Fantastic. Oh, I was being sad. You just made me sad, Aww. so. Aw, that's really meaningful, Eliana, that when I'm funny, I make you sad. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yorick, you gotta be bigger than that. I mean, you're already bigger than them, but you have to be even bigger. Bigger-er. <laughs> Bigger-er. And biggin. Okay, settle oh, down, Daenerys like... Targaryen. Where are my dragons? It's an HBO thing. It is. <laughs> oh, well, conveniently, my Google app says that your armor is this way, Yorick. Tree. Sword. Or knife. Uh-oh. Wow, I'm glad she got all that, because I didn't. <laughs> I was still thinking about the tree, That's guys. That's why we're I not the chosen that, uh... ones. Well, there's you know... Pan. Oh, oh, oh! This Where's is he gonna not go, though? Good. Oh God! Ready. Still there? Now he's gone. I bet. Yep. Always just right behind or right ahead of her. Bear Mageddon. Bear Mageddon, ladies oh and gentlemen. No one has the insurance for this. No. He's not doing that much property damage. Allstate wouldn't cover you for that. Those are all easily fixable. Ah! Oh no. What a mess. When the dog comes in from outside from getting wet. I love that. It's it's a classic trope. Something goes in and busts, and then something comes barreling out. That's that's what always happens. And they're all just going to stand around waiting for it. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, well... Oh my god. You would not have been feeling okay after that. You would not be laying oh, there like that. Absolutely. You wouldn't be able to get up like that. Yeah. I slipped on the ice once, and I was like... I was out for like two minutes... Uh, just lying on the oh. ground. Sometimes oh, I stop on my ankle yeah, wrong and I'm like, it's over. I have to die now. Wow, boyfriend reveal. <laughs> Bad call. Yeah. I would probably leave him be. I'd be like, Mr. Bear, have a nice life. Good meeting ya. <laughs> Get him. Oh, man. Ooh, cold water. Oh, I love this because his paw is so big. 
Oh my gosh, the sheer size of York's paw is so amazing. (laughs) 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 Look how big his stupid hand is. (laughs) He just covers his face. Imagine being that person. Oh, no, that's okay. What a mighty predicament you're in. Having fun, I hope so. <laughs> Come on, Sandor Clegane. Walk away. Oh my god. Are they not the same? Is that not Arya and Sandor? I think it is. <laughs> you know who you are. I'm off key. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just really love how big his paw was. There you go. Get ready to watch now. Here's your pan watch, you guys. Right from here. Where's pan? Okay. Yeah, I don't see him. Oh, you're right. Clever, <sighs> though, how they shoot it. It is clever how they, like arrange it i mean i get it you you gotta balance it in scenes it's a labor thing i mean bigger than anything all the budget is in the bear now right (sighs) the budget is in the bear and we have another bear we gotta make it's a double b scene truth be told it is it is labor though you know like that's every issue with every show that you watch it's just a labor issue gotta pull coins in one direction i'm (laughs) just like i am lyra you are not gyptian Oh, yeah. It is the funniest line in the world, though. <sighs> Egyptian, just like I am. Oh, Lyra. I'm like, I don't know that it works like that, but... It, I don't think it does, no. <laughs> and Lee's just realizing that he's been duped even further. And he was just defending her two seconds ago. He's like, damn it. Why did I do this? Why did I defend this young girl? In that moment, he's like, yeah, she's my daughter now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I see. I adopted you, is what you're saying. Good for you. Self-respect, Lee. That's why I don't play at BB's Jazz Blues and Soups on Tuesday nights anymore. Good for you. Good for you, Matt. They should pay a musical aeronaut like yourself. Wow. (laughs) Well, and a pandemic happened. I mean, you bring your own balloon. Oh, okay. Well, that too. Aw. Least theme, yeah. There we go. That beautiful slide in and out and up and down. Ooh, bear. <sighs> this is a great scene. All I can imagine is how mu- how it must smell in there. Awful. It's like the equivalent of walking into a gamer den. Better at being really cold and awful than really hot and awful. That would be even worse. That's true. That the is cold true. probably helps. It's like walking into a 17-year-old on summer vacation who likes to play video games as room. Just poop everywhere. Oh, no. You don't have experience in that or anything, do you? No. I'm just guessing. Like, you know, like, pee in bottles and stuff. You know. Boys. I don't know. Wait. (laughs) A band van after 700 miles. So you get it. Yeah, I understand. 
I mean, 700 miles is like a little more uh, apt to it. I mean, I wouldn't probably knock you for that one. But because someone on Fortnite like killed you or something, that's a different story. Ah. Oh, she hates having to say this. Hmm. She's like, let me just plaster my smile on and sell this crap. Wasn't going to say that at all. <laughs> I do love how she changes the angle here and she's like, we want you to be loyal so we can be loyal to you. It's very clever. As we know, the bears uh, just listen to big talk. So, Yolfer just wants to be human so badly, right? That's how she's able to manipulate that side of him? Yes. Okay. And I do love this because it is an exact mirror to the last scene with Lyra and Yorick, right? Uh, when her saying, come with me. Don't do this. Don't lose the humanity. Cling to humanity. Mm -hmm. You can be, you know, like a good bear. You don't have to be this like mean, yeah, ornery I, drunk. And here it's the B, opposite. A better bear. A better bear. <laughs> but here it's the opposite, right? Because Coulter is trying to play to what Yofer thinks humanity is, which is not this. Humanity isn't just like forged in gold and, you know, being awful and tearing apart young children for their soul energy. That's not humane. <laughs> no. Yeah. It really shows the two paths, right, diverging. That Lyra is choosing the hero's path, the hero's story, and that Coulter is currently not on that path yet. I just want to comment that Yorfer's hat game is really good, too. I love that. Look how oh, ornate. Yeah. It's so ornate. He might have the best hat of everyone that we've seen this episode. It, it is the hat uh, to beat. I don't know. I love Coulter's hat, too. Mm. And I like Lyra's hat, Good but it's point. just because the little red beanie is something I'd wear. I'm a sucker for fur. You know, fake fur? Give me a fake fur hat like that? I bet I could do that. Maybe I am a hat person. Well, I hope it's a fake fur hat, because that would really make Yofer angry, wouldn't it? I mean, I don't well, know. Not, he might be like, he might be like, I too like to kill animals. Yeah. I, I too <laughs> like to wear like to wear animal skin. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, what you were saying earlier, Chloe and, and Matt, you know, about how he wants to be human, it's also he just doesn't know how to be himself and is running from himself. And that also is sort of uh, contrasting mm -hmm. with Yorick, who earlier this episode was trying not to be himself. He was acting like a human and drinking, not that he wanted to be yeah. one. And Lyra helped him find his way and be like, no, you're Yorick oh, Burgesson. This whole last scene here is nothing more than the rebel fleet amassing at the end of Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I love it. It is yeah. that. I love that Coulter is selling Yofer on the idea of human of like what he thinks is human, which isn't, right? Like we don't all live in beautiful golden brick palaces being monsters to children and like dining on their bones and stuff. That's what he thinks being what a human mean. is. I don't know what you mean. Is that not what being human is? Isn't human being human having a Cynthia doll of all your own? She's a really cool dancer. You know, Eliana, humanity is not you dining on children's bones like Hansel and Gretel Witch in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> boo -doo, boo -doo -doo. 
Oh, I really like that episode, guys. I thought it was fantastic to rewatch. How oh, it's you? so fun. It is. And it's so good because, as you pointed out earlier, right? Like, this is where you get a lot of new characters. It's like in the hero's journey, right? Where this is the point where your allies start coming and joining to help you, and you're building your little camp. Mm hmm. We get Absolutely. Lee, you get Yorick, and then you also kind of get Serafina. Yes, the legend of Serafina is like very mentioned. You have Kaiza showing up to say, "Ah, yes, Serafina, who is real and very famed for being a wonderful witch, is coming," and then we get her soon. Absolutely. Well, I've been doing these by myself uh, for the last three episodes, and because of that, I've not been able to ask the questions. I always, you guys, if you've listened to us, you know uh, that I always pester Holly with a bunch of games. <laughs> And and she hates it, but uh, because she's not here, I thought I'd pick on somebody else. I do have somebody to talk to. So, folks, we're going to play a game of what's worse. <laughs> uh, this game is where we pick a situation within the episode and we try to determine what of the two possibilities uh, it, that we come up with are worse. And one person asks the question. The other two hosts uh, have to take opposite sides since usually it's uh, uh, that uh, usually I just make Holly pick a side and then I have to argue the opposite one. But now we've got three people so we can we can toss this around. The person who asks the question uh, doesn't have to play, but the other two people do. Uh, I guess, Eliana, I'm going to give you first dibs on asking a question and then Chloe and I will have to op uh, argue opposite sides. All right. It's just like high school debate all over again. It is. All right. What's worse, getting in a fight just to steal a few watches in the process? Or presenting yourself as the owner of a bear's arbor? Oh. That's good. Chloe, you get to take, uh, you get to argue whichever side you choose first. <sighs> mm, this is a rough one. I'd, uh, I don't know. Getting in a fight just to steal watches does sound bad, but I'm going to take. The other way, just to be a, a bit contrarian on it and say that presenting yourself as the owner of a bear's armor is kind of a a serious thing, even if you're trying to get it back for them. I mean, the friend did express they do not want help, even if they're kind of, you know, in a pretty bad mental health area. I mean, that might not be a, a fair assessment. But I don't know, presenting yourself as the owner of someone's soul? That's pretty much what this is, right? His armor is his soul. I'm going to go with that one. That's a good argument. I love that argument, Chloe, but you're completely wrong, and here's why. <laughs> when you get yourself into a fight just to steal some watches, you have now perpetrated two crimes. You've perpetrated larceny, and you've perpetrated assault. And so, therefore, being in jail for two crimes is worse than just presenting a lie to somebody who sees through it right away. And that's my argument, which isn't a good argument. But folks, we'll put it on the poll and we'll let you decide. Vote for Chloe. Vote for Chloe. Vote for Chloe. <laughs> and, uh, and you can decide for us and we'll present it in our feedback episode next week when it comes out. Chloe, you get the next question to ask me and Eliana to argue. Okay. Okay. Eliana, double M, get ready. What's worse? Promising a bear they can hurt people that try to harm the bear, or telling the bear not to harm the person who ordered everyone to shoot the bear. 
Oh my, Eliana, you're going to have to pick one because I can't choose between these two. They're both so horrible. <laughs> I'm going to go with more of a what you know my my inner Eliana would want, right? I think it's worse. I think it's harder to tell the bear not to harm people who ordered everyone to shoot at the bear because I sometimes every now and then I believe in vengeance you know (laughs) (laughs) I believe in hurting the people who hurt you not that I I ever actually carry through with it I don't have the energy or time for that but I think about it and this is a fantasy series so I think it's telling the bear not to harm the person who ordered everyone to shoot at the bear because the bear is justified in this situation from what we've seen in the episode and also I think it seems really risky to try and tell the bear Hey, bear. Giant, very strong bear whose single paw can crush a man's head. Why don't you not do that? (laughs) Eliana, that is a wonderful argument, uh, but you're completely wrong, and here's why. (laughs) (laughs) Promising a bear that they can hurt people uh, if they try to harm them. Isn't a bear going to just harm whoever he wants anyway? It seems, uh, you know, what do you need Lyra's promise for? This is an empty promise. There's there's no <laughs> promise to this at all. Not only that, but then she comes back and tells him that he can't. And so what's the point of True. baiting a bear? That's a double B. Don't do it. Yes. Don't bait the bear. And uh, it, it just it just seems so ridiculous to promise a bear something that he's going to do anyway. I mean, you know, it's just... It, it it's so pointless it's just so pointless so folks will put that on the poll as well and so uh vote for eliana vote for eliana <laughs> vote for eliana and uh we'll read those uh feedbacks in or in our feedback podcast coming up next week i get the final question where i get to pit the two brightest minds on the whole of the internet regarding his dark materials and this one is a tough one uh, between Eliana and Chloe, you guys can decide between yourselves who's going to argue first. But the big question, the most pressing question, the absolutely most important question regarding this whole episode, what's worse, stealing information from a stranger about, say, like their armor or stealing their bacon while in the process of stealing their information from, from them? Who's going to go first? Well, Chloe, I'm going to let you go first, as it is in our usual episodes. Aww. <laughs> oh, oh, man, I'm getting slammed for this. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. It's just, uh, it's easier. I, if, for our historic materials episodes, I go first. Sometimes. So, yeah, we thought <laughs> that I did. We've, we've we'll started change doing it up. It. Maybe next book we'll do the opposite again. We don't know. I've been going first for the LaBelle Sauvage episodes. Uh, who so, knows? You know, you'll have I to think. tune into Girls Gone Canon to find out. We have to tune in. We don't actually know. Uh, all right. I don't know. All right. All right. This isn't fair because we both know the answer to this one, Eliana. We do. We I do. mean, stealing someone's bacon. Look, stealing information from a stranger is one thing, but stealing bacon from someone is such an intimate crime, whether they are a stranger or not. That is an intimate crime. You don't just take someone's meat. You don't do that. That's wrong. Mm. Mm. Eliana, your response? Make some great arguments, Chloe. <laughs> but you're completely wrong. Yes! I mean, you're, you're, you're actually not, but sorry. <laughs> she, she, she called me out. She's like, we both know the answer. I'm like, Sh-. But you're completely wrong. Stealing information from a stranger is obviously worse. 
you you say that stealing meat is intimate, but stealing information even more so, right? That inter- information can be used against so many other people, right? And it's obviously something that that person didn't want to disclose, and you are violating that, and it, it's almost as bad. It's actually worse than stealing a few watches, perhaps, because the information, once it's out there, can't get that back. Wow. Wow, what what a battle we have going on here. Folks, we're going to have to put that on the poll so that you can vote on it and make sure that you know, uh, that we know in our feedback podcast, exactly who's right. Eliana, vote for Eliana, vote for Eliana. Wow. Or Chloe, vote for Chloe, vote for Chloe, vote for Chloe. So either way, uh, this is going to be intriguing to find out. And that's the only game that I'm going to, you know, make these people suffer through because they've been so kind to join me. Eliana and Chloe, you guys are the best. You're the you're the best podcast covering his dark materials, oh, books or television show or whatever, outside of uh, my music presentations, of course. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, no, you guys really are. You're fantastic. And what I would like for one of you to do is to tell people how they can hear you all over in terms of podcasters or whatever. And please talk about your Patreon page because I'm a Patreon member there as well. And I love getting all of your extra stuff. And you're not just doing his dark material stuff. You're doing a song of ice and fire stuff. You're doing all kinds of stuff. So someone please tell our audience on the off chance that they don't know who you are, which I just would not believe because you are the brightest minds <laughs> on the internet. Please tell us how, how they can find you and uh, how they can become part of your community. Yeah, as you said, Matt, we do cover a couple of different things, and we have some other things that we are excited that uh, we just plotted today that will be revealed <laughs> later. We literally plotted it today. We're like, oh, wouldn't that be a good idea? But we started out and met through the A Song of Ice and Fire fandom, which some of you may know as the book series that Game of Thrones, the hit television show, was based off of. And <laughs> that was hard for you. <laughs> it, I mean, it's a hit television show. And, uh, of course, we talk about the His Dark Materials main trilogy, but, you know, lately we have branched into some of the other series, right, of His Dark Materials, the Books of Dust, which are a prequel and sequel, the a Sandwich Trilogy, and we are about to finish our coverage of La Belle Sauvage. Ooh. Yeah, this month. And, you know, we have a guest. And they have a very busy schedule, this guest, so we can't announce it yet. We're waiting for a confirmation. Mm. You might know him, Matt. You might actually know this guest. So, Whoa. yeah, it's it's a big name. It's a pretty big name. Uh, I mean, you're, you're in contact with them, so you know. But we're excited to reveal that. Stay tuned for that. But if you want to get involved with our Patreon, we were so lucky to have the Dust podcast and have Matt and Holly both on. Oh, back in December to talk about the music of Series 1 and Series 2 of His Dark Materials. Every other month for patrons in our $5 and above tier, we put out a special episode on His Dark Materials. Every other other month, we put out an episode on A Song of Ice and Fire. That's a special episode. And patrons that are in the $10 tier and above do get access to Discord, where we do a monthly brunch happy hour and all sorts of shenanigans. We play Jackbox games, do prizes, giveaways... So much fun stuff and a really fun part, you know, of just every day logging on and chatting about his dark materials or a song of ice and fire. Wonderful. And guys, be sure to check all of that out. Please check that out uh, if you're not aware of these wonderful people. And it's been a great honor to once again be the school kid sitting at the scholar's table while these two people talk to me about 
his Dark Materials, this particular episode. You all are so lovely. I really appreciate your time. Eliana, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you, Matt, for having us. And and also, it's been it's been a blast. Every time we get together, uh, we always have a great time and definitely appreciate it. We were so happy when you invited us. Yeah, uh, absolutely. A, a pleasure to have you. Uh, this might get edited out, but Chloe, do you have news that you would like to share with the world? Oh, yeah, I got married. You know. <laughs> I don't oh, know. Just, just that? that? That's it? Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Congratulations, Chloe. <laughs> Thank uh, you so much. Taking, taking time out of your honeymoon just to come and podcast with us? Well, for one of the biggest and the brightest of the HDM podcasts out there, I had to. You know, I had to take off from the honeymoon just for this, so... Oh, you're so sweet. God. Anytime. Again, con- Anytime for you guys. Yeah, congratulations to you. <laughs> and folks, once again, Girls Gone Canon on Twitter. Find them, Google search them, do whatever you got to do. Uh, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here, uh, <laughs> but they, you know, yeah, definitely worth checking out. We'll see you next time on The Dust. But it's stealing bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet the podcast at the Dust Podcast. Send emails to dustpodcast at gmail.com or call 314-269-0421. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com.